Today we are joined by Kevin Madison, also known as the Dungeon Muser. Kevin runs the Dungeon Musings YouTube channel, which hosts over 500 live gaming sessions since 2015. As amazing as that feat is, even more impressive is the channel's Hero Saving Villages charitable efforts. All money raised through this initiative goes towards SOS Children's Villages, who support orphaned, abandoned, and vulnerable children across the globe. The channel has now raised over $10,000 for this worthy, worthy cause in three years. Kevin, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Well, it's it's great to have you here. Um, as I mentioned to you before, uh, longtime fan, uh, I think your channel is great. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really uh, happy that uh, you could join us here today. And I guess let's kick it off with how did you come into tabletop role playing games in the first place? Sure. Well, uh, so for tabletop role playing games, uh, my first uh, my first box set was the red box, the like, 83 red box from um, basic uh, for basic D&D. And uh, my mom got it for me and it was, she said that it looked like something that I would like. Uh, and I've asked her about it afterwards too. I'm like, do you realize how much of an impact you've had on my life with that one impulse buy? Cause like in the, at that time you didn't, there, you didn't have to go to a gaming shop or stuff like that to, to pick it up. You'd go to, I think it was, cause I'm, this is a Canadian chain cause I'm Canadian, but it's, well, we're both Canadian. Um, the Coles, uh, I don't know if you remember Coles. Uh, I do remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she got yeah. it at a Coles and um it started with that and then it went on to like marvel superheroes and to which i got in the toy store um champions uh top secret and i think call of cthulhu was the next thing no uh, role master call of cthulhu and then it sort of just, you know we discovered gaming stores and it went on from there and we played just a crap ton of different things yeah, same as you, red box for me, and it was yeah. like just that the the slippery slope downwards into uh, what else can I find? And yeah, you absolutely. Start, uh, exploring and AD and D and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so and then you, I you know we've talked a little bit about your past uh, as far as like you your comic love of comics and just uh, nerd culture in general. And oh yeah. How do, how does that kind of play into uh, the channel nowadays? Like, because you, you do, a, uh, you bring all those elements together with a lot of different systems and a lot of different game settings, and yeah. it's kind of fun to see the the diversity that you bring. Oh, that's what that is excellent to hear. Um, we I don't know you know um, so the the channel um, right now is a little different than like when we first started streaming. Obviously, like we didn't have, there's no one in chat there. I'm not even sure we had a chat feature in the early games. Uh, but, um, you know, you, you we give some thought this year in particular, um, we've been giving more thought to what we're bringing to the table in terms of the audience kind of seeing what, what we're playing. But um, really, it comes down to just games that I like, right? Like it's if there's something that, that I find interesting that I really want to see at the table, um, I have I mean, I mentioned this on my channel quite a bit and in my podcast quite a bit, but like the, one of the maxims I have is that like, you don't really get a, a sense of a game until you've had it at the table. Yeah. Uh, you know, you uh, it's fine to read a game, but uh, Matt uh, Colville has a, a whole video about how like it's the uh, recipe, not the meal, you know, how like reading the book will give you an idea of what it's going to be like and what, you know, flavors may come from it, but it doesn't give you the actual experience of what that game is, it, it, what it, actually is like to, to participate in it and, and enjoy that experience and in a similar way I'm, I'm of the same mindset that like I just seeing a game react to players and uh, you know trying to how it how it performs at the table and how players respond to different game mechanics and things like that or settings or character types or whatever 
it, that's where um, you know I, I feel like you get the true sense of what a uh, what a game can be and what the, the game is like. So with that in mind, even if I really like reading a game, I'm usually quite keen on getting it to the table so that we can actually see what it's it's like, right? Like uh, I uh, I've been running a fair amount of Savage Worlds on my channel uh, lately, and the that game has always been my go-to of the example of a game that plays so much better than it reads. Uh, if you read the game, uh, there's a lot of moving parts. For, for those unfamiliar with Savage Worlds, the core mechanic is extraordinarily simple of just rolling a dice with a D6. Um, so it doesn't look like, if you look at your character sheet, it doesn't look like there's an awful lot there. And in older editions of Savage Worlds, it didn't it didn't look like at a glance that your character would differ that much from other characters. So it's like, well, where's, where's the complexity yeah. here? And then you play it at the table and you start engaging with some of the subsystems they've got in that game. You're like, gee, this is so much fun you know yeah and no it's uh it's like very good for like kind of pulp actiony very quick resolution absolutely combat. yeah yeah and so with that in mind i mean i just i uh whatever the game is uh, i really you know i really want to see it at the table and then figure out how in particular for running at the table because i just i mean i'm you know a forever dm right, as opposed to i don't mind i, I don't mind playing and I, I you know the odd time but definitely given the, the choice of the two i'd rather run something so that necessitates a lot of prepping stuff and being ready for, you know, for players to jump in and whatnot. Uh, and I think that gives you the better uh, excuse or the, the forced excuse to learn all the four corners of the rules as well. So, yeah. How did that, how did that evolution take place? Did you like, were you always the DM or did you oh, yeah. were a player? And yeah. 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 I was always, I mean, I played a little bit when I was, uh, uh, when I was younger, you know, I started as a player, I think um, only because we had like one kid who had more books his brother was more into D and D, so we had he had more books, so he would run the games. But it was the typical like, you know, it was more kids acting out cruelty on each other than an actual game. So, fortunately, I had two cousins who I was very close to uh, in age and you know uh, uh, close to growing up, and we played just a crap ton of stuff, and and we sort of all rotated through that. And then when things got to when it sort of settled into elementary school, junior high, and whatnot. I just fell into that role of wanting to run stuff more often. And uh, I just never got out of it. You know, I'm sure that there's, you can read some uh, control freak tendencies into that as well too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I totally get that. But Matt, I go, wow, you're doing about four sessions a week, sometimes more. And how much prep do you do? And you have a day job and do, how, yeah. do you, how do you fit it all in together? Um, it's so for the, I mean, the, for one thing, selection of games. Um, and I mean, the, I, I should say the first thing is, is the extraordinary group of players that I get to play with, you know, like the, uh, I think everyone I play with is a DM as well too, for their own games. So when everyone is coming at it from that perspective of I'm, you know, of knowing what is, what is needed to like shepherd a game along to, uh, to, to keep things moving, to identify like decisions or character actions that will derail things in an unproductive way as opposed to derailing things in a fun way you know they um that makes that prep a lot easier because you can just respond to what uh, players are doing but the uh the selection of games like the ongoing games we run on the channel are uh, advanced dungeons and dragons second edition for a couple of our games uh astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of hyperborea that's um jeff Telanian's really cool um, OSR clone, uh, like yeah. Tolkien free version of D and D. Uh, and, and then we alternate other games out. Uh, but really, I mean, it, uh, a one shot requires a lot of work. And in particular, if it's a, 
uh, up until this past year, we used to run um, charity run shots. So I'd let people, if they donated a hundred bucks to the Hero Save Villages campaign, I'd run them a one shot. Those ones were a lot more work uh, because um, it, because people had donated money for it and whatnot. I wanted to make sure it was just a really, really terrific experience. And I wanted to make sure it was done in one session, which is a problem I have. Yeah. Um, but it's um, for the ongoing game. So honestly, like you, I've written ahead and I have an idea and you sort of get used to having a rough idea of what's going to happen. We have a rotating cast for our, our uh, sessions as well. So we don't really know who's going to, you know, who necessarily is going to be there until a couple hours before. So the prep I'm doing is sort of constant and in the background. Like I've, for the long-term campaigns, I know sort of where things are going. I know where we left things off and I know what problems are out there for them. But um, I also don't mind making up stuff, you know, on the fly, yeah. like the, uh, the, the, the sort of agreement that myself and all the players have is that like once something is introduced into the game, it's part of the game, it's part of the story, but that can be completely random. You know, it, uh, whatever random element is introduced has to be reconciled with what's come before, but we really love the idea of embracing like, okay, so there's goblins here right now. All right. Um, how would this make sense? And I like that kind of unexpected development and having to think on my feet and having to develop that stuff on the fly. So, and because, you know, we as a great group of uh, creative players, I sort of just respond to what they've either are hooking onto or what they've decided to, to pursue and um, mixed in with that, just reliance on random tables, you know, and uh, flipping through a lot of books off screen here. I've got a stack of AD&D books that are regularly <laughs> referenced throughout our sessions. Well, every time I see your Twitter post and you're going, I've supported this on Kickstarter, I've supported this on Kickstarter <laughs> and I'm looking behind you on your shelf and I'm going, you're running out of space. You must have a whole other oh, room. God. I do have to get one more uh, book. I've got uh, one more room will be sh freed up very shortly. And uh, I got to, I got to reshelve a bunch of stuff that came in recently. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, it, the, uh, uh, I, I'm fortunate that I, you know, my, the day job affords me the, the, the freedom to be able to do that kind of stuff, support more um, uh, smaller publishers and things like that beyond just Watsi and whatnot. Um, we don't take any sponsorships on this channel. Uh, so we don't get like, uh, I, I don't really do, I do overviews on the channel, but I don't do reviews per se. Um, because I've got a, uh, I mean, you'll be familiar, but like my overviews tend to be like two or two and a half hour slogs through a game, right. <laughs> As opposed to just a quick in and out. So because of that, I don't, uh, I, I you know, and if I don't like, if I don't like something, I don't want to I don't want to spend time on it because it's just, it's not people worked hard on that thing and, and whatever. And I, I don't think I'm adding anything to that. Uh, so the, yeah, the space though is, is at a premium. That gives me the incentive to try and make use of as much of that as I can to justify still having it on the shelf. Yeah. And ironically though, you still, and I, on your recent podcast, you mentioned AD and D second edition being, it seems to be your go-to and for a variety of reasons, maybe yeah. you can kind of expand upon those again uh, for those that haven't heard yeah. your podcast. Well, so one of the things I was thinking about recently is I was, um, uh, it was another YouTube channel, actually, uh, Cartoonist Kayfabe was, had uh, Chris Claremont on, the guy who wrote X-Men for like 16 or 17 years or something. It might've been longer, it might've been 19 years, but I think it was only 16 or so. And uh, for those who don't know, like 70s, 80s uh, X-Men history, he's the guy who really, uh, honestly sort of set the tone for what um, comic writing would be like for a very, very long time in terms of writing for the long game and seeing personal developments and really investing in character-driven 
uh, and uh, uh, character interest driven stories, as well as adding the cool weird shit from uh, from comics. But in amongst all that stuff too, he had to deal with the um, all the vagaries of the business, which is like changing in artists and like one artist doesn't like drawing something or some character or whatnot, or someone wants to introduce a new character. So there's also the pressure of changing um, requirements from that are that you have no control over too. But in the, in the midst of all that stuff, even with editorial changes and artist changes and whatnot too, he wrote this compelling long-term story on a month to month to month to month basis. And uh, I recognize that one of the things that AD&D does quite well, or AD&D second at least does quite well, is that it affords you the time, even if you run the, the game specifically uh, XP wise as written, your characters don't you know, uh, don't uh, regain levels as quickly as what they do in modern games. And rather than being a detriment, I see that as a massive positive because you have that time to to let that story slowly build up, you know, and with um, a kind of the type of, of uh, story, you know, building or storytelling that you do in a long-term uh, role-playing game campaign, you've got constant co-authors who are doing shit that you didn't anticipate or, if you're like me and add random elements as well too, there's constant things that are being introduced that you don't know, you don't have control over. And AD&D just, because that the, the, um, the advancement path, the way that you get ahead in that by getting loot, I, I use the optional loot rules for XP for loot out of AD&D second, um, by getting XP for loot for XP for uh, the class-based things and XP for defeating uh, adversaries, um, you have a clear structure for how the, or the players at least have a clear structure for how they're going to be progressing through the game, you know, and it is completely out of the DM's hands, which I really like because, because my hands are not on the rudder for when we're hitting milestones or that I've put together an encounter or a series of encounters that will get them to the XP budget that they need to get to the next level. They know that it's just like, well, sometimes you're going to find a whole bunch of treasure and you'll get a big jump in your XP. And sometimes you're going to have a drought just because we're having chatty chatty scenes or whatnot. And uh, by not having to focus on that and not having to worry about the advancement, I can just focus strictly on just letting it be interesting session to session to session or as much as I can be, you know? Yeah. And what? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go right in. No, I was going to say, and you have like such uh, mature players and experienced players that they appreciate the process almost exactly. rather than the result. Yeah, because the you're the not, day. I mean, we all know what game we're playing and like our age ranges in the players is from like 20, uh, 26 up to 60. Uh, so we've got a range. Um, we have an, we're not, it's not necessarily an issue because I mean, the players are all terrific as well too, but we're cognizant that as we, you know, get more eyes on us that we want to have um, a more diverse group of players playing in our games. Uh, the pandemic has made that challenging and then uh, figuring out what, you know, uh, the way that we play, you know, we play until we're stopping having fun with the game and then we pick a new game and, and run it, which is not, at least from a lot of the channels that we see, it's not how they do it, right? If we all get together and, and we don't have enough people to play one game, for instance, we're just going to pick up another game and play it. Like the, the commitment I make to the players is that you show up, you're going to have something to play, which is why we do pickup sessions that are sometimes one shots or character generation or whatever else too. And uh, finding players who are okay with that being the like, nope, we're going to do something instead is um, is sometimes challenging, but. Um, and, but And I should clarify mature players, meaning experienced players is probably more of an accurate term. Oh, absolutely. Like you have a lot of like experienced players, but before we forget, so if somebody uh, that isn't uh, 
you know, you want more diverse players, how can they contact you to play? Just they can reach before me I forget. At, yeah, dungeonmusings at gmail.com is my uh, my email address and uh, uh, Dungeon Musings or at Dungeon Musings on uh, Twitter uh, as well too. Uh, we're still, uh, see, we, because um, we I had a plan in mind for the summer and then that's plan kind of gone to pot because of other things that have come up. Um, so it, it is a it is a work in progress still. But um, if anyone is, yeah, I mean, if anyone enjoys the, the, the sensibilities of what we've got, the, the type of uh, play that we have at, at, the at the table, that absolutely they should uh, contact me and, um, you know, and find out. The, the reason, I guess it's worth saying as well, too, that you, you mentioned before we went live that, you know, it's a, uh, a lot of regular faces on the, on the channel and we play with a roster of players. So we have a roster of players that are just sort of people we've played with that are like known variables and we can, when we have to fill a session or, or something, we send out, you know, we post on the, on the private channels on the discord saying like, Hey, this is what I'm planning on doing. And often some, when other people are, are running games as well, they'll do that. Um, it like, I, I really worry and I don't want it to sound like it's, we're trying to be insular or like an in crowd or anything like that. It's yeah. just when you got that many balls in the air and you're having to be um, sometimes, you know, uh, coming up with something different on the fly, like with an hour's warning or whatnot, um having players that you know uh, as a known quantity uh is such a huge part of being able to maintain the schedule that we do in the channel you know uh so um yeah it's it's uh it it is the thing that makes it possible uh, honestly is having a, a dependable great group of players who are just willing to roll the punches and uh and willing to take the uh the hits ad and d is and even with the sort of uh, the ways that we have to get away from the harsher elements of it. It's a unforgiving game. Uh, last night, we guys had their first random encounter with a phase spider or a pack of phase spiders. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but they are extraordinarily lethal. Uh, they have this brutal ability to disappear in the middle of the combat round. So you may not even get an attack on them. And because they can just fade out again. And they have a save or die poison that has a penalty to the saving throw so we had three near deaths last night and like this is a uh, 117 sessions in and it was a near tpk uh you know in the and it just from a random encounter that came up yeah and the players would be okay we've had character deaths uh yeah. but it's um yeah so anyway it's, I, i'll keep talking about the night below camping forever <laughs> Well, I mean, and you've got like the, the night below the legacy of the crystal shard. Um, you've got the astonishing short swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea, uh, the reavers of Tool. Um, yep. Tule, again, I'm not sure of the pronunciation, uh, but uh, and now you're starting Savage Pathfinder uh, in the coming uh, time. And I will yeah. talk about that because uh, is that part of your charity session upcoming? The Yeah, it, not really. So every year uh, I started this about five or six years ago um, because like the, the guys that I grew up with and I'm, I'm from uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. So it's, it's a, the coldest capital city on the planet. And it um, I, I don't get to see those, those folks very often. So what I proposed one of the, I usually go back once a year to visit my parents, uh, usually in the summertime. And a couple of years back, I said, like, look, let's just uh, let's do a gaming marathon. Let's do one day. You know, uh, we can all get a, everyone's got responsibilities and kids and whatever else. Let's set aside one day where all we're going to do is morning to night, just going to game. We're going to play one game. I'll write something special um, and I'll surprise you guys with it and whatever. And 
Uh, we started with uh, Warhammer Fantasy 3rd Edition, a one-shot for that. And we played all day and all night. And it just so happens that like it's around the time when my birthday is too. So we usually, we have a ritual where we take a break. You know, we go to a Thai restaurant all at a big table, all sit around and eat and get caught up in bullshit and stuff. And we take a break for lunch. Um, but otherwise we just play through. And when the pandemic came around, it just made that impossible. And it coincided with a time when I'd actually started playing more with the, the friends that I'd made through the channel than I had with the, the friends back, back home. So I said, you know what, like, let's just combine it for this year. Let's combine it into an online thing. And, uh, and we did that last year. And instead of just doing one day where we did like 16 hours of play, we spread it out over the weekend. And it started on Friday night, ran, kept playing games, you know, uh, two sessions on Saturday, one session Friday night, one session Sunday, and, uh, and then, you know, try to play through. Um, this year, we're doing the exact same thing. So the weekend of June 4th, we're going to do that. And the game I selected this year was Savage Pathfinder. I had a bunch of games that were sort of in the running for it that I thought would be not, like not only would uh, play well online, uh, that would also be something suitable for a, a complete story. Last year, we played uh, uh, Six More Vodka's Degenesis, which is a, a really, really cool game. Like it's, it's a fascinating setting. Um, but we got about, I run game uh, like pre-written modules at the pace of a glacier. So we got about like a fifth of the way through the module over the course of four sessions. Uh, so this time I was like, all right, <laughs> I got to <laughs> exercise a little more. And I think that uh, Savage Pathfinder would, would be, um, it was something that was I, I was interested in anyway. Uh, for those who may not be familiar with it, Savage Pathfinder is the uh, recently kickstarted uh, version of, uh, it's a Savage Worlds approach to playing Pathfinder. So it is, Pathfinder for Savage Worlds. It is the most cumbersome, and I'm sure there was legal departments involved in giving the name to it, the most cumbersome name and logo <laughs> as well, too, because it's got both of their logos incorporated yeah. into it. But it's, um, it, is, it does a really good job of um, taking their, the most recent version of Savage Worlds and then adapting it so that it will simulate what a play experience is like with, uh, with D&D, to be honest. And um, it's been good. Like, like the, the game, uh, Savage Worlds is because of my proclivity for embracing random events and stuff like that. Savage Worlds is enormously, uh, enormously fun to run because you can spend a whole session doing, you know, three hours of a mind chase or three hours of a bar brawl or something like that. And it's still enjoyable. Yeah. Well, I recently watched your, uh, I mean, I was a big fan of Riffs. I, oh, I, yeah. I loved, I loved the setting and yeah. I had all, all the core, the core books and all the, uh, the world books. And I just loved it. But as lots of people probably can attest to the palladium system was, you know, at the time it was good, but it didn't mature very well, but the yeah. savage world version of riffs. And I saw you, you've done some one shots of that and they've been just fantastic to watch. Yeah, it's um, well, well, first off, thank you very much. I'm glad you, you enjoyed it. That's um, it, it's been really that was one of our charity sessions, actually, that people voted on for our we had four games or post apocalyptic games and and they got that um, Savage Rifts. I was in the same boat as you like I, I really enjoyed riffs reading riffs and uh, the art in riffs at the, you know, uh, when I was a kid. And then the um, gosh, the the game, though, just it had development issues and things like that and and bloat issues and whatnot and it didn't um it definitely didn't adapt with the times and sort of stuck with the the system that was there savage rifts does a terrific job of just like 
in the same way that uh, Savage Pathfinder does, to be honest, is it's like, okay, what is this game really about? Uh, Savage Worlds from like way back in its inception uh, originally was like, you know, was married to the idea of a strong concept of like, what is our, what's our elevator pitch about this game? So the players know what they're doing, what they're going to be, you know, what it's about and, you know, what to expect that they're going to be fighting, um, you know, and every one of their Savage settings has that, that sort of embraces that specific way. And it's neat the way that they have sort of intentionally looked at it and been like, okay, so what is Rifts? And the way they describe it in the Savage um, GM's Guide or Savage Rifts GM's Guide as a post-post-apocalypse of superheroes, I'm like, yeah, that's... <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about it, but that's exactly what this game is. And um, yeah. yeah, it's a good... And again, like you know, you said before we went live too, the players, like the players we have. So Anna is going just... No, oh, that's all right. Come on, get out of there. Yeah, you found it. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, my dog... <laughs> is insistent on making a on every podcast no she knows i'm sitting down and she knows she'll get attention if she starts chasing her tail when all the wires are so goofball but um but no it's it's they did a terrific job of of um making everything in that game feel like riffs to be honest more so than what riffs felt like and i mean that's not to slight um the folks at palladium books it's just you know what uh Palladium Books has decided to not ever iterate. You know, they've they've got the same game. They have a little twist to it, but they've never taken the time to take a step back and rewrite and re approach the game uh, mechanics from a whole fresh slate. And that's what they had the opportunity to do with this. So it just, you know, yeah. it's a, yeah, a really terrific job of it. And then speaking of your players uh, and going back to the whole community and the Discord server, which I'll put the links on in the uh, description, the show description, but just the whole community that I've seen on Discord and on the channel and in the chat, uh, you've really harnessed this like really cool community and a lot of the players and uh, participants have gone on to start doing their own things. Well, I mean, some have gone on, some were doing it beforehand. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah, I mean, the, you know, like the, the thing that uh, we've tried to set uh, is you know, I mean, like there, there's a the, that Maya Angelou uh, quote about like when someone tells you uh, or shows you who they are, believe them. Um, we take that approach on things. So if um, if people are aggressive or, you know, um, I mean, racist, sexist, whatever, uh, if they're just they don't feel like they're playing well with others, we tend to sort of weed that out. Um, and, you know, like there may be um, the folks who are acting up or acting out or whatnot. There may definitely be reasons and whatnot for that, but it can be so toxic in a, in, in a written format, particularly where it's just posting on forums. Uh, we just got to, you know, it's a one-strike policy we have for that. And what that's allowed us to do is sort of keep everything positive and whatnot. And yeah, and, and just, you know, and show what we expect from things, you know, we, um, there is sometimes some complaining and stuff on the, on the channel in terms of products, but like, we really try to avoid just belly aching about stuff we don't like. If you don't like it, why are you talking about it? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the people like it's, it's been a matter of, uh, incredible luck on my part to stumble across a lot of the folks that, uh, uh, that I get to play with now, you know, and, uh, some of the people were people who had, um, who were players, uh, or, uh, viewers from beforehand, like, uh, Arlen and uh, George became uh, were both viewers before, and then they became friends and and uh, became part of the channel. George was the first person to ever donate to the Heroes Save Villages campaign, 
Um, Jason Hobbs and I knew each other from another game. There's a, a buddy, um, our, um, uh, Jared uh, Rasher. Uh, he's a uh, part of the Gnomes. Um, I can't remember if they're, they're, uh, they got a podcast and a review thing or whatnot. Jared runs his own uh, uh, YouTube channel as well, but he's not quite active on it anymore. But when he was, he ran a Shadow of the Demon Lord game that had a bunch of people on it that were either YouTubers or podcast hosts or game designers or whatnot. So I met him and Jason and a couple other people through that. So Hobbs and I just stayed in touch afterwards because we were both sort of in really into OSR games quite a bit or old school games at the time. And then, and he's a great player, like a really engaging player and a great guy. Um, and I've been on his podcast as well. Arlen has, has now uh, launched his own uh, YouTube channel, uh, Live from Pelham's Wasteland, and uh, has he's had his own podcast for quite a while as well. But um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, the, honestly, like with how easy, like it's just a matter of doing it, right? Like getting your, setting aside the time, uh, honoring the commitment you make for the time that you're going to be running things and whatnot, and then just hope that things work out. And thus far, we've been pretty lucky with that. And then just when we do have, um, I'm not sure how long you've been uh, uh, on uh, YouTube uh, yet, but um, you quickly learn to just very quickly <laughs> block people. And, you know, like you're, you're not adding anything constructive or positive here. So there's just no need for you to, I don't owe you any response or anything like that. You're, you're gone. Um, that taking that approach helps as well too, uh, just from a, you know, the, uh, uh, from the mental health perspective for, for, for running this stuff, because monitoring chat, like, I, I don't know, I don't have moderators or anything like that who do, I read every comment that comes on, which both good and bad. And uh, I make the call for what uh, is happening with that comment. And I think that the, I, I had a podcast a few years back where I talked about attending your garden, right? You, you support the things you want to grow there and eliminate the things that you don't want there. And uh, I just find that it is much easier to just uh, to keep those elements out and allow everyone else to develop. And you end up with this, you know, our chats, especially in our, our night below campaigns are, are enormously fun to, to look in on. I don't get to look mm -hmm. in on the game because I'm trying to run the damn thing. But, um, you know, the players are, are, are active and they're all the time. And we've got regulars who we see every Wednesday night, every Friday night. And like, that's, um, that's pretty cool. And we see them on the discord server as well, too. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully that. Well, no, it's well, it's a lot of fun. Like, I mean, I I tune in. Like, you know, it's especially during pandemic times. It's like a bit of comfort food. You get to know the players. You get to know the campaign, and you tune in to to see what's going on. And you, you feel like you know everybody. And on the Discord server, everybody's very friendly and uh, yeah. amenable to just being good people. So it's 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 a great channel and community that you've created. And and from that. Let's talk about the uh, ch the channel's Hero Saves Villages charity efforts. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, to be honest with you, in, in looking around at the D&D &D and uh, role-playing game, tabletop role-playing game community, you don't see it too often. And so I, I guess I got to ask, how did that uh, start? Uh, well, so we, um, it started, to be honest, it started in spite uh, because there was one game that I was running on the channel and then I found out a fair amount about the, the author of the game and um, the really kind of detestable uh, politics that the person was involved with. And um, I was really, and, and it, it was something that wasn't apparent and wasn't upfront with, uh, you would have to look to figure things out. So it was, uh, it was very frustrating. And it seemed that the person had kept their, their politics quite, um, 
quite uh, uh, you know obscured or as much as they they possibly could. And um, that really annoyed me. Uh, and I decided, I'm like, well, if you want to, instead of um, initially the idea was anytime I run this game, I'm going to make a donation. And I'm going to try and build up this thing for a charity that I, I really care about, which is uh, SOS Children's Villages International. And it very quickly changed from that. And then we had our first, so we were doing um, more uh, things where it was like asking people to uh, to, to donate if they wanted to support the channel financially to donate to SOS Children's Villages International. At the time, we weren't running uh, ads either uh, for, I, I, didn't, I don't know what I was, I had a idea of like um, uh, purity at that point. And I quickly realized I'm like, ads aren't going to fucking make a difference one way or the other <laughs> for people donating. So, and then we transitioned after the first year of doing that to, um, we had our first raffle where we, we're fortunate to get uh, donations from a, a fair amount of uh, publishers, um, including uh, our prime sponsor for the initiative is, is uh, Beetle and Grimm's Pandemonium Warehouse, uh, who are, uh, it is a bunch of guys. Well, Matt Lillard is the most well-known um, member of, of Beetle and Grimm's, but they make these like gorgeous deluxe edition versions of D&D uh, uh, &D adventures, of the D&D &D fifth edition adventures. And I had purchased a copy of the uh, Dragon Heist and decided that I was going to have that as the grand prize for our first raffle. Because I was like, I just, I don't see myself making use of this. And I'd sooner see if I can make more money off of this in the raffle than what I paid for it, then I'm, I'm coming out, you know, golden. And uh, we let them know what we were doing. And since that time, they sent us copies of everything they've done. Uh, so to raffle off for our subsequent charities, which is just mind-blowing and like at the time we were barely at like a thousand subscribers or something like that so it wasn't like that there was a calculus on their part of uh oh this is going to get us a lot of exposure it was really just hey this is what you're doing is is cool here's a way to support it and since that time we, we also that year uh i offered um some other things i i didn't want to have the kind of charity donations that disrupted play uh because i really like when the players are coming to play I want that. They're my primary focus. Them having a good time is my primary focus, not playing for an audience or, you know, or um, uh, trying to disrupt that by way of donations or such. But what I did do is we had some things linked to ways I could help players by giving them extra narrative meta currency to help them get through the bullshit that I'm throwing at them. Um, or to um, the, the top tier thing was I had like six sessions per year that for every hundred bucks, if you donated a hundred bucks, I'd run a session for you. And then what honestly ended up happening is I very quickly found that my players were all the ones donating to that. And I'm like, guys, like, it's great that you want to do this, but I mean, like, I'll run games for you. Just tell me what you want to play. <laughs> uh, I felt bad about bilking my players out of that stuff. But, uh, and I thought that that was the only, like the primary way we were raising money. And to be honest, it wasn't like we, um, that, that was the way it was for, you know, we'd have uh, twice a year, we'd have a charity raffle and then uh, we would have uh, sessions I'd run. And the sessions also were, um, they were challenging sometimes, particularly if it was someone who I had not played with before, because it's hard to know what that person wants out of a game experience. Any of the people I play with now, because they've become friends, I could tell you what, oh, I know, I know what kind of experience that say Arlen would want, or that Jeff would want, or Steve would want, right? As opposed to a, a, a stranger coming in who may not, you know, everyone plays games for different reasons. And even if I, they enjoy watching us play, um, I found that there's still sometimes the, the experience and the, what they, how people want to interact with the game um, doesn't always play out that way. So rather than, um, than doing that again this year, I just focused solely on uh, the, uh, the, the raffles. 
and then trying to come up with ways that we are running um, uh, every three months, every three months, every two months, uh, at least every two months, we run a, a charity session and uh, we give four games and say, hey, which of these four games do you want to, us to run? If you've donated since the last raffle, you get to vote for it, one vote per, uh, per person. And then once that's done, a week beforehand, I'll put up also a bunch of uh, things they can vote on to help equip the, the party. Mm -hmm. And that's proven to be pretty popular so far. You know, it, it, it gets less people to the table, which is unfortunate because I, I don't like turning people away from the table, certainly. But it's, um, it's a much more manageable uh, way on, on my end um, and allows me to focus on doing other things like these charity sessions and, and uh, yeah, like our charity one shot for uh, Savage Rifts that has become, <laughs> we're scheduling our fourth session of it now. The one shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's great. Oh, it's a, yeah. The, I mean, the first ep the first episode, I don't even think they got, uh, they ran into mechanical problems and I don't even think uh, oh, yeah. they did anything after no. <laughs> that. And that fight with the Skellybots was yeah. way more, it's it's a perfect sign of like, you know, uh, I, I'm going to learn someday to not bite off more than I can chew. But like when you, you're not familiar with the combat system and you don't know what the scaling is going to be like, don't throw a crap ton of adversaries at them. Test the water first, but... Uh, but it's it's proven, yeah. That that uh, campaign has proven to be a lot of fun. Now that we figured out how to how to you know get the uh, get that game running uh, properly, and um, and it's been those charity sessions have proven to be pretty pretty popular too. Like we ran Simba Room uh, as our last charity session too, and that that uh, that one's done now. Uh, but I mean, it's a game that we definitely would want to go back to because it's such a interesting setting and interesting concept. Um, and then I think, I think, I can't remember what's in the lead right now. We've got another couple, mm, 10 days left in voting for, for this one, but, um, we're either probably going to play, uh, Star Trek Adventures or Mongoose Traveler second edition. I think one of those two is in, I think Traveler's in the lead right now, honestly, but we'll see. So, so if people want to vote, they should donate and yes. then, uh. And the Discord server, correct? That's where the yeah, voting is so, taking place? Uh, no. So the voting nope. the voting is taking place in the Discord server. If they follow the link to the Heroes Save Villages campaign, uh, and it's the, uh, the, to make sure it's the 2021 one, because there's they haven't taken down the previous one yet. Uh, so the 2021 uh, campaign, I'll, I'll get notification one way or the other. For every $25 Canadian that you donate, you get one chance to, uh, on top of being able to vote for what game we play in our next charity session and the next two ones, to be honest, and outfitting the heroes on a dollar for dollar basis for what you donate, uh, you also get one chance uh, to win the grand prize or one of our other prizes in our next charity raffle. Next one's in August 1st, 2021. Grand prize is a copy of Legendary, the, uh, sorry, Beetle and Grimm's Legendary Edition Curse of Strahd box set uh second prize is uh the upcoming shadowy silver edition the beetle and grimm's uh shadowy silver edition of the fenrickton's guide to ravenloft and then uh, there's a bunch of stuff from our red bubble shop and a bunch of stuff from uh, our dave our, our resident armorsmith who's also in calgary uh he uh he is uh donating another chainmail dice bag to the prizes so lots of great prizes lots of ways to get involved and um we've we've actually been featured this year in their annual uh, report as one of the champion donators or champion fundraisers for it so i'm enormously um humbled by the generosity of the dungeon musings community and the players and and everyone who's helped to support those uh, the kids who benefit from it so and this year you have the goal of four thousand. i i think i checked today 3200 yep. or thereabouts that you're after <laughs> yeah, so over, you're 
it's crazy. We're like, I had initially planned um, one of the, we, as I mentioned, like one of the things I, I do in the channel is the overviews. And I've been planning on doing, I did a fourth edition overview. Uh, so I did a second edition overview that was about two hours long. I did a fourth edition overview that was about two and a half hours long. I've been working on a third and 3.5 edition overview. And uh, I was expecting that would be like, well, around June or July, I'll shoot that because that's when we'll hit that, you know, the midway goal. Nope, we may uh, we may exceed my annual fundraising target <laughs> in the span of six months. So I got I still have as a as a thank you for that. I've got a, a comprehensive overview of Ravenloft uh, that covers all the different um, Ravenloft books that have come out from the first adventure through the second edition uh, revisions of it. Uh, House and Griffin Hills can be touched on as well too. The third edition version of uh, Expedition to Castle Gray, uh, Castle uh, Ravenloft. The fourth edition box set of, uh, or the the tabletop game for Ravenloft, fifth edition's Curse of Straw, the different editions that have come out, uh, and the new Vendrickens Guide uh, as well. But I got to write that shit. <laughs> I got to get that done and get it ready. It's not like you don't have any time on your hands, right? Yeah, Four really? sessions a week and day job <laughs> and uh, your your daily art that you've been doing too yep. is like, I mean, you have a full plate, I have to say. Oh, I hate being, I, you know, hate idle hands. So <laughs> I keep myself, I like keeping myself occupied. And if that wasn't enough, you just recently announced the uh, Savage Saga of the Fantastic Four. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So we have, uh, we, like, we've had a Patreon on um, the uh, Dungeon Musings, uh, like for, for Dungeon Musings as well, too. All the money we raised for um, advertising and for uh, the Red Bubble Shop and through, uh, the Patreon has been used to help like basically supply the players with stuff. So all of our players in our AD&D second edition games have copies of the player's handbook. Thanks to uh, the, the money we raised or we earned or raised or got, or I don't know, but <laughs> however, it just shows up <laughs> as a result of this stuff. Uh, and uh, so we've used that. And then um, this, we've also recently for the upcoming uh, marathon, everybody has a copy of Savage Worlds now as well too. So everyone's been outfitted with that. And that's been the uh, advertising money, Patreon money. But I wanted to do something different for um, for uh, the Patreon. And I had in, you know, like in another life, I had done more work on actual uh, game design stuff. I don't have time to do that right now. So, because I'm running so many games. But like I had at one point at a project that was going where I was converting all of the Iron Gods adventure path for Pathfinder over to fifth edition D&D uh, shortly after it came out. And like that included uh, the 28 different domains or whatever it was for the oracles. So I had a fifth edition oracle with every version of the uh, oracle that was out in all the uh, Pathfinder hardbacks and a gunslinger and well. So I like I, I do really like game design work as well too, but I just don't do it very much and I don't have an excuse to. I also really like superhero write-ups. Uh, so like on the Atomic Think Tank for Mutants and Masterminds, Green Ronin's uh, old message board, they used to have these great ch uh, chains that were just it was one thread and it was just uh, you know someone going through and over the course of time they'd accumulate this massive collection of uh, converted heroes. So I've always had that sort of in the back of my mind as something I'd like to to do as well. And I just sort of, um, I had one plan for the Patreon to start posting stuff to convert things over. I didn't like the idea of writing stuff for the sake of writing stuff for it. I, I had started doing some conversion of some second edition stuff. Uh, like a, we had for Patreon, for patrons, we had uh, um, Warforge for second edition, D&D, uh, Goliath for second edition, um, Aarakocra for second edition, although there are versions of that in uh, 
in the splat books. But I decided to do something a little different. As we, you said, like I'm a big comic fan, right? And um, the thing I hadn't read before, I, as much as I was a fan of both Marvel and DC, I never really read the original Fantastic Four issues by Stanley and Jack Kirby. And uh, this year they are going to be, by the uh, 60th anniversary on uh, November 2021, they're going to have released the entire 103 issues plus the annuals that Jack and, and Stan did together as these beautiful full color omnibus things. And um, I, for, I sort of thought, all right, well, maybe like an exercise to, to work with that. And what I came up with was that every week, so every Monday morning, I'm posting, I'm thinking more it's going to be a video in addition to this, but a video uh, talking about the issue, talking about the historical context of the issue, talking about the contents of the issue and how the characters are presented and how they've changed since that time, uh, since the, uh, the previous issue. And then provide as well Savage Worlds uh, write-ups for these characters as they are presented in that issue, which will be updates for older characters. So like all the, the members of the Fantastic Four, as those characters evolve over those 100 issues, we're going to see that. Uh, and then over the course of those 100 issues, we see so many elements introduced that are just like iconic parts of the Marvel makeup, right? Of the Marvel Universe. So the Kree, the Skrull... Uh, the Watchers, Wakanda, um, gosh, the Negative Zone. Um, like There's just such a huge amount of different things, in addition to the Fantastic Four themselves, that become Submariner, Doctor Doom, you know. Um, and I just thought, like, all right, well, at the end of this project, um, we're going to have this interesting body of work that'll have all of this stuff written up in a Savage Worlds with uh, the Superpower Compendium. Companion? Superpowers Companion. Um, we'll all work together. Um, Savage Worlds, it feels like will be a good fit for, for this particular uh, set, a particular project, partly because it's a, it's a little lighter on its feet than uh, more other character, like point generation systems like Hero or, uh, or um, uh, Silver Age Sentinels or, you know, uh, GURP Supers or something like that, or Mutants and Masterminds for that matter. Um, I also have a bias against Mutants and Masterminds. I, it's a very, very well-run game. It's just the saves. I, my brain doesn't click with it. Plus, tons of people have done that already. So it, um, and the other thing is, is I, I thought of it in terms of how a long-term campaign develops, right? Like the, the thing that's, that's the most interesting about uh, the Fantastic Four run uh, in my mind is that you're seeing the, 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 you know, them with trial and error and uh, the accumulation of content and, and the commitment to continuity, you see this world built over the course of those 100 issues. And it's about a nine year run, a little shy of nine years. And it's a singular vision with one writer, one, you know, editor, which I guess Stan is just the same on both. But, uh, you know, one writer, one uh, artist, seeing them evolve, seeing the world evolve and see the, the thing go from this, you know, um, Hail Mary attempt to try and save the company with Fantastic Four number one up to a incredibly continuity heavy, you know, and mythology rich game. And like, that's what everyone wants from their ongoing campaigns. So I think it's going to be an interesting exercise. And then it's, it's also part, you know, book uh, club as well too. So uh, for people who are patrons, um, they're going to get access to all that stuff and they'll see on the week by week. And uh, I'm setting up a, a specific channel on the um, discord server as well too. So if people want to chat about it there, they can, but I, I heard already from one patron who has said that he's got the books ordered to follow along, which makes me like, I don't need more. Like, it'd be great if we have more people coming along on this. 
but yeah, I think, you know, um, taking just all of that stuff hits all the things that I love. And I'm hoping that it's not uh, <laughs> a project I'm doing for one. <laughs> so, well, two, I'll, I'll be the other guy. Oh, terrific. Well, I mean, yeah, one counting myself. Like, I'm like, well, this is something I want to see. <laughs> but, um, no, I think I, I'm the Venn diagram for me is like, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, comics and sci-fi. It all, it all kind of mixes together. So well, it, it even, hits the marks. Like the historical context, I think will be interesting as well too, because yeah. it's it, like November 1961 is when the first issue was was published. Jack and uh, Stan's last book together was September, uh, a shelf date of uh, September 1970. Uh, that the amount of change that happens in the world over the span of 1961 to 1970. Um, the in another life, I, I did a, a master's degree in uh, political science, and my focus was Sub-Saharan Africa, and even just looking at Africa in that nine year period, like it is a complete transformation. So um, not always for the better, not usually for the better, but still, you know, a transformation. And um, yeah, so I'm just, I'm excited to see what, uh, and from a company on the verge of bankruptcy or on the verge of failing, right? Up to, you know, a company that was dominating uh, the distinguished competition uh, in the sales, right? Like that's gonna be a really fascinating run to see and then so uh, and I'm, I'm restricting myself to uh like i make sure that i'm not allowed to read ahead unless i've got all of the write-ups done so there's an oh. added incentive for me like <laughs> i can't read the next issue until i've got everything finished with the issue that i'm working on right now which has led to a lot of scrambled notes over the last little while so i'm like oh miracle man i'll do them <laughs> Well, I think you've just been doing exciting stuff on the channel. And uh, for those that haven't checked it out, please do. And uh, I'll have all the links to the uh, the Redbubble store, the uh, SOS charity uh, link for donations, the Discord server, all in the description below. And uh, Kevin, I can't thank you enough for joining me. Uh, a big fan of the channel and your and your ongoing campaigns there. So uh, thank you very much for joining me today. And, no, thanks, uh, Gary. Thanks so much for having me. And good luck on the channel as well, too. Anything we can do to, to help uh, uh, bring eyes to your channel, we are more than happy to do as well. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, and uh, until next time, happy rolling.